And is this trade's job to make sure the wire's not all tangled up? Good job, man. All right. How's that? Ed, am I good? Test one, two, we're good? All righty. Well, the bad news, uh, the good news, I guess, no, the bad news would be that, uh, yeah, you got me two weeks in a row, I'm sorry. But the good news is you won't have me for December. Lord willing, we'll see. <laughs> All right, but you got uh, our brother Ken for a couple weeks, and then our brother James for a couple weeks uh, for December. Um, in Ecclesiastes here, uh, beginning in verse 9 of, uh, of chapter 4, it says this. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. <clears throat> for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And you don't have to turn there, but just one other portion I want to read for you in Acts chapter 2. In the early church here, just this one verse that stood out to me again. <clears throat> in, um, in verse 44 of Acts chapter 2, it says this, Now all who believed were together. All who believed were together. The Lord will bless the reading of His Word again this morning. Uh, let's just pray. Our Father in Heaven, we ask this morning that um, I might be able to present Your Word in such a way that um, those who are hearing it, they would be hearing it as if it were the utterances of God. Um, Lord God, we pray that, uh, that we would hear your voice this morning. Pray that, uh, that we would be um, equipped um, for the work of the ministry, that we would be built up and edified together here, that, that we would increase in our knowledge of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the, the reason I shared these, these verses uh, with you is because I, I've been really meditating and studying and thinking on this idea of community. Um, when you look at uh, this word here in, in, the, in the Bible, the New Testament, when it says that we are the church, right? Um, it's actually those who have been called out. Those who have been called out. <clears throat> and it's amazing as I just read there in Acts chapter 2, you can go through the entire New Testament, and it's amazing how many times you see the word together. Together. Uh, together. <clears throat> uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this uh, in a book that he wrote called Life Together. He says this, Let him who is not in community beware of being alone. Let him who is not in community beware of of being alone. He goes on later on, he says, the one who seeks solitude without fellowship perishes in the abyss of vanity, self-infatuation, and despair. 
I'm concerned. I'm concerned that with this pandemic, right, this pandemic did not make things happen. I believe they revealed what was already in us. And what I see sometimes is a church that would much rather live in solitude than in fellowship. I see many people who would rather be alone than have to deal with community. And hopefully I can show you today that biblically that is just not right. That is not what God created you for. You know, we have 7.5 billion people in the world. (laughs) 7.5 billion. There's probably more now. That was according to 2010. Right? But it sure doesn't feel lonely. Right? People are everywhere. Everywhere. America, right, is a nation of individuals. A nation of individuals. Even though there's so many people and and there's people everywhere, right? Even so, it's easy to get so wrapped up in our own lives that we don't take the time to really get to know others. Yeah, it's true. We might mingle on Sundays, right? We might even um, every so often call or text each other. But that doesn't mean that we have authentic community. That, that's not makes genuine, authentic community. Just mingling with each other for five minutes on a Sunday. Right? Shooting a text to someone just because you heard something happen. Hey, praying for you. Like that. That's nice. Right? But that's not authentic community. There are three things I want to talk about this morning regarding community. Uh, the first one is a reason for community. Okay? There's a reason why we are to have community. We are to have fellowship with each other. Take a look at Genesis chapter 1, please. Genesis chapter 1. We'll go all the way back to the beginning here. Genesis chapter 1, we know uh, God... Uh, in his creation, the first day there, right? In verse 3, he says, let there be light. There was light. And God saw the light and that it was good. Right? It's the first time we hear God say, listen, this was good. Right? Later on, he, he says it again in verse 10. Right? I think it's after day uh, 2 or 3. He says, and God called the dry land earth in the gathering together of the waters. He called seas. And God saw that it was good. Right? Later on even, verse uh, 25 of chapter 1. I believe this is after day 4 or 5, right? He, he made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. It was good. In fact, when you get to God creating mankind, Right, which is in the verses to follow here. When he gets through that, right, he says here in uh, verse 31, God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. It was really good. But not just one chapter later, right, when he's looking at Adam, right, and, he, and he's looking to find someone that can come alongside him to help him, right? 
In verse 18 of chapter 2, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good. It's not good for man that he should be alone. And I will make him a helper comparable to him. Guys, listen, you understand, this is even before sin. Sin has not entered in the world yet, and God said, hey, listen, there's something here that's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. And so we certainly, people use this portion all the time to talk about how marriage and family are so important. And listen, I think that's a good interpretation of that. But I really think that there's something underlying this, though. There's something underneath this, too, that's even more important than that. And why do I feel the way? Because... Like if we're saying, okay, this is this is saying, you know, that this is for marriage and for family, right? Are, are we saying then that it is not good for Adam to be not married? I don't, I don't think so, right? Is someone who is single any less of a human being than someone who is married? Is that person less spiritual than someone who is married? Of course not. We would say no, right? It's not saying that it's not good for man not to be married. It's not good for him to be outside of community, outside of fellowship, to be alone. And that's the reason for community. That's the reason for fellowship. Here's the deal. God didn't intend us to live in isolation. God has created us for community. God's intention was not for us to live isolated from anyone else in isolation. God actually created us for community. And so we, a lot of times we hear people talk about there's those who are out there and they're searching, right? Uh, and we always talk about when we're sharing the gospel, so yeah, there's that, there's that void, right, inside of everyone, almost like a, a God-sized void inside everyone. I would say that's true. Right? That only God can fill. People try to fill it, right? With work and with, with um, money and pleasure and family or things like that. And we say, listen, nothing can fill that void, right? Only God can fill that void. But I would say, based on this verse here in Genesis 2, that there's actually a human sized void inside every one of us. I think there's this human shaped void inside of every one of us that needs to be filled with community, with fellowship, with other people. Now again, listen, meeting together here at 10 o'clock this morning, that's an example of community. But brothers and sisters, that's just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> if you think that, hey, I go to Brantford Bible Chapel and I sit down from 10 o'clock to 11.15 every morning, I'm part of a community. Okay, yeah, sure. But man, it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more than that. But I want to first, like I said, address the fact that, listen, there's a reason for community. God did not create you to live in isolation. He created you for community. Now, listen, there are results of community as well. Right? I want to look at that. I want to look at the, what are the results of community, right? Why is community so important? Right? Why is fellowship with other people so important? Well, one of the reasons we gather together, right, is for encouragement. For encouragement. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 10.
Hebrews chapter 10. I'm just going to look at a few verses here, beginning in verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as this is the manner of some, but exhorting, or some of your Bibles may say encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. One of the things I thought, and I know for some of you here, we've, you've heard people speak on this verse a lot of times. One of the things that stood out to me, at least this time when I was looking at it, is note that love and good works need to be stirred up. It's almost like there's, in a sense, sometimes love and good works, right, they don't just occur. Right? There, there seems to be a relationship here where, where us coming together, right, and stirring one another towards those things is how those sometimes can occur. They, they don't necessarily occur in isolation always. That there is a purpose for coming together where we stir one another up for love and good works. We may even say that someone who desires to be alone, desires to live in isolation, right? Perhaps it would be very difficult for them to love and to do good works without that fellowship, right? Who's stirring them up? Um, I don't know if you've experienced this, right? But when I was growing up, I always felt like, listen, the way I'm going to grow spiritually is if I spend time in the Word by myself reading and studying the Bible. And that there's some truth to that, absolutely. But we all know that I've struggled with that at times. There are times where I forget to read my Bible. There are times where I'm not getting what I'm, what I'm reading here, right? But man, when I've been part of a Bible study, right? I think all of us experience this, right? It's a different experience, right? When you're sitting there with other brothers and believers, right, and you're looking at the same portion, and you're sharing with each other, and you're talking with each other, you get stirred up, right? There are things that uh, you hear um, that you wouldn't necessarily have heard on your own. In, in Romans chapter 1, you don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but... Um, uh, interesting here. Paul says this. He says, in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, it says this, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. That is a fascinating verse to me. One, notice how Paul does not say, I long to hear from you. He says, I long to see you. Paul was going to get together with them, right? He was going to see them. They didn't have Zoom back then, okay? Right? He was going to go see them, and when, and when he saw them, he wanted to impart something to him, uh, to them, right? But then even as he says that, he says, listen, but also I'm looking forward to this because we both are going to be encouraged, Right? It's a mutual faith. You see, being in a community gives you the chance to be around people at different stages of their faith journey. Galatians chapter 6 talks about that. When we're in a community, right, it allows us to bear the burdens alongside them, right? It gives us that opportunity. 
to me, I don't know, I, again, I've, I've, this whole pandemic has just been, uh, to me, so disheartening um, that I have my friend, my sister Elaine, that I have to call her when she's in the hospital with a broken hip. There's something not right there, right? I would love to have gone and seen her, right, and be with her. But there's something going on here, man, where they're taking that away. And I think we need to recognize that. Like, there's something not right. Paul, he longed to see them and to be able to encourage each other with that mutual faith. And listen, this idea of community, I think it's awesome because, because everyone has something to teach and everyone has something to learn. Amen? Does everyone have something to teach? Sure you do. You can teach me something. Right? I could teach you something. Right? Because we're not all on the same journey of our faith. But we all have to learn something, too. We all have something we can still learn. In fact, it, it creates the ideal environment, and we've heard about this before, right, to be a Barnabas, right? Which means that, listen, sometimes it's good to just be a friend to someone, right? But it also provides an ideal environment for us to pursue a Paul. Right? Someone who can teach us. And also provides an ideal environment for us to train a Timothy. Right? Someone who we are discipling, a student, whoever it is. Right? And we've talked about that before, that each one of us should have a Paul, a Barnabas, a Timothy in our lives. We should have those people in our lives. That's community. What it comes down to is lifting each other up, learning from one another, and being the friend that each of us needs. That's what it comes down to. Listen, community brings encouragement, right? It, it lifts you up. Just some practical things I thought of is that when we do get together, right, like what do we ask each other? Right? I always think about that is that what, what do we do when we're together? Let's say it's in a small group. Let's say it's just two people getting together at the house. You go out for a cup of coffee. I don't know what it is, but I think a lot of times too, right? I think we need to have a purposeful conversation, right? I think Paul, he longed to see them because he said, I want to impart a gift to you. I, I want us to be able to talk about our mutual faith with each other. Stirring one another up for love and good works. I don't know. There's lots of things that we could say, but I'm just going to come up with three simple things. Is this. Perhaps when you get together, right, as a community and fellowship, one of the things you can ask each other is, listen, what are you praying for? I think that's interesting because a lot of times we say, hey, listen, what can I pray for you about? But it might be more interesting to actually turn it around a little bit on them and say, listen, what are you praying for right now? Because every one of us is praying for something. Whatever that might be. I think a great, just a um, conversation to have there is, listen, what are you praying for right now? The second thing you might want to ask each other is, what are you meditating on? What is it that you're meditating on? I don't want to know what you're reading. I don't know what you're studying. What is it that, that you're meditating on right now? Is it a character of God, a characteristic of God? Is it um, something else, some, some truth? that you found in the Word, whatever it is. I don't know. What is it that you're, that you're meditating on? And the last one I think maybe is, is 
Um, I don't know if it's the most important. Probably not. But uh, something to just to consider, to ask each other is, what has God done for you lately? Man, that would just stir us up, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be able to just sit down and be like, hey, listen, tell me what God has done for you lately. Right? I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing like that. Where you could say, hey, listen, this was something that I was going through. And listen, you know, now, whether it is like we've gotten through it, or guess what, God took it away, or whatever it is, and like, be like, wow, to God be the glory. Like, man, that sounds fantastic. Can I praise God with you? But one of the, the results of community is encouragement. Right? You're encouraged in the faith. But the second thing actually is there's enjoyment. <laughs> okay? Community not only just brings encouragement, but it actually can bring enjoyment. Right? Take a look at Psalm 133. Psalm 133. Behold. Now, you know when the word behold is there, right? The, the Spirit of God is saying, hey, listen, you may want to pay attention to this. All right? Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He says, it's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord God commanded the blessing life forevermore. I want you to notice something here too. Notice that it's when we're dwelling together in unity, it is not only good, but it's also pleasant. That's the idea of it's enjoyable. Right? You can actually have fun. Did you know that? Listen, <laughs> the church a lot of times has this like stereotype that we're just a bunch of boring people. Not so. Okay? Community, being together in fellowship with brothers and you can have a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I love the fact that it says, notice that it's good and pleasant. Listen, there's a lot of things in life that are good, but they're not pleasant. Hebrews talks about it. Discipline. Discipline is good, but we don't enjoy it. <laughs> right? It's not pleasant. But we would say, yes, discipline is good. Listen, the Bible also talks about there are things that are pleasant. They're not good. He talks about it in Proverbs 25. Too much honey. Too much honey, man. That's pleasant. But man, it's not good. Here, guys, listen. To dwell together, right? It's both good and pleasant. It's good for you and you can enjoy it. Look, look at the illustrations he uses here, right? He talks about this precious oil poured on the head. <clears throat> this is actually a picture of hospitality. It's a picture of refreshing, right? A lot of times when we invite someone over today, right? I don't know if people do this, but typically, right? We offer them a drink, right? When someone's like, hey, can I get you a drink? We got some tea, we got some coffee or something refreshing, you know, whatever. We, we typically do that for the most part. It would be the same thing back during this time. If you were traveling and you came and visited someone in ancient Israel, they might uh, offer you something to drink, but they actually would offer you oil for your head. Which is today for us, we're like, that's just weird. But they would do that because, right, the climate was hot and dusty. And oil on your head would actually bring a welcome relief. 
And so you would actually offer them some oil. In fact, we see this uh, image of hospitality and refreshing in Psalm 23. What does God do for us? It says, you anoint my head with oil. <laughs> you anoint my head with oil. And so you see a beautiful picture here. He's saying, listen, how good and how pleasant it is when we're together in unity. It's like oil. It, 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 it's refreshing. But not only that, he talks about Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon was located in the northern part of Israel. It had an altitude of over 9,000 feet above sea level. It was known for its cool nights and heavy dew. Mount Zion, however, <laughs> was located in the southern part of Israel. It only had an altitude of 2,400 feet. And unlike Hermon, there was very little dew. Okay? There was no rain. There was no moisture at all. So you can imagine what the two places look like, right? Mount Hermon, it was lush with green. Right? It had all kinds of you know, um, green plants and trees like that in the summertime. Whereas over here in, in Zion... It was kind of dry. Not much going on there. What an amazing thing it would be if the dew of Mount Hermon were to fall onto Mount Zion. That's what the psalmist is saying here. right, the, Guys, this is exactly what happens with Christian fellowship. That's what happens. It's like that dew falling on you. right? It's refreshing. Christian fellowship, guys, can also be refreshing. Right? We, we should get together, and, and when we have that community, when we have that fellowship with each other, we should leave there feeling energized, encouraged, and renewed. Just as if the dew of Mount Hermon were to fall on Mount Zion. Listen, brothers and sisters, community, fellowship is fun. It's enjoyable. I've been blessed in my years of knowing the Lord to have fun, enjoyable fellowship with brothers and sisters. Right? And there's all kinds of ways you can do it. Okay? Like we said, it's as simple as getting together right, on a Friday night and hanging out. Okay? Play some games. Get out some games you know, and play with each other. Laugh. Okay? Um, listen, go to the movies. <laughs> listen, it's okay. Right? You can actually have fun and enjoy being with each other. Because you know what's great? Just recently we, we went to the movies with some brothers and sisters. And you might say, oh, John, you're sitting in the movie. You're not really fellowshipping. Well, that's true. We're sitting there. We're watching the movie. But you know what's great is after the movie, we all hung out in the parking lot for a, for a long time, talking about different things, right? And it leads to spiritual things. And then from there, we're like, hey, listen, let's go get some ice cream. We go sit down and get some ice cream. And guess what? We're fellowshipping again, right? And you can do that and have fun. It's okay to throw parties, Right? Just can't have more than 10 people right now, I guess. All right? But listen, community, guys, doesn't bring just encouragement for you. It doesn't just stir you up, right? But it, it can be enjoyable. It can be fun. You don't have to be lonely. <laughs> you don't have to be feel isolated. Okay? You need to make every effort to get together with brothers and sisters and have some fun. Enjoy what God gave you. Man, the tendency is always just to shrink back into isolation. Right? And as Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, beware then of being alone, because that's not what God created you for. He did not create you to be alone. The third thing it brings, which is amazing to me, right, is actually 
One of the results of community, one of the results of just getting together and having a fellowship is evangelism. This to me was amazing to me is, uh, look at Acts chapter 2 where we were earlier. We know that they were together. Acts chapter 2. I got up here late, didn't I? I'm looking at the time. (laughs) This is really cool. Acts chapter 2, right? We already read in verse 44 that those who believed were together. They had all things in common. It says that in verse 46 of Acts chapter 2, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. So picture this, right? This is the new church, right? They are actually getting together how often? Daily, right? Not only in the temple, but also in each other's what? House. And they're breaking bread, right? But they're also what? Eating food. They're just getting together. They're eating food. They're praising God. They're having all things in common. What does that mean? They're saying, listen, they're just talking about how God saved them. This Isn't this great, man? Look where we were, and now look at us. God saved us. Didn't matter how different they were before that, right? God had brought them to now. They all had things in common. But look at the result of this, right? Here they are daily, and it says, And the Lord added to the church daily, those who are being saved. What? Wait a minute, these are saved people getting together. How is it that lost are getting saved? I'll tell you why. Take a look at John chapter 17. John chapter 17. John chapter 17, this is the Lord's Prayer, right, for us. Uh, Beginning in verse 20 of John chapter 17, Jesus, he's he's praying to the Father. He says, I do not pray for these alone, right, that's speaking of the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through your word. He's talking to who? Us, right, the church. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Right? What a tremendous prayer, right? That the Lord Jesus says, hey, listen, I also want to pray for those who are going to believe later on, who hear my word. And my prayer is, Father, is that they might experience the same unity that you and I have. Right? Why? Look, that the world may believe that you sent me. I read that, my head's just like, what? Right? That, that unity that we have Right is going to call people to Christ. Something happened to my mic? Sounds weird, no? All right. It, what I want you to understand is this. Listen, there is a... I'm getting... It sounds weird up here. No? Not me? It's getting a lot of... All right. So listen, with this, this idea of unity, right? A lot of times when we look at this, we, we look at it just as the spiritual unity, which is true, right? That when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior, there's that unity, right, that the Father had with Christ and now we have with Him. But because of what it says to you that the world may believe, right, it, it, to me it shows that it's not just a spiritual unity. It certainly is. 
all right? But it, it's so real, it's so visible, it's so tangible that people are going to come to Jesus. That's what he's saying here, right? Our unity will be the gospel call to the world. Hey, look at that group. That group is different, right? When we get together as a church here on Sunday mornings, we get together in our homes, we get together outside somewhere, right? The world sees us. They say, man, look at that. They, they look renewed. They look refreshed. They look happy. They look like they're having a good time. Man, I want that. Man, look, why is that group so different? Why are they different? Instead, do you think the world, when they look at you and they see you home by yourself and, or they see you to work and all you do is complain and grumble about how this is life, blah, blah, do you think they're like, man, I don't want what he has or she has? Why would they want that? But God created us in such a way for community that when we get together, right, the world sees it. it, it it's, it's that unity that's going to be the gospel call to the world. Hey, look at them. They're different. I want what they got. And so it's amazing to me, right, when we look at the reason why, right, we want community is because we were not created for isolation. We were created by God to be a community, to be fellowship, right? But also there's results of that, right? You can be encouraged, right? You can actually enjoy yourself. And it's a call to the lost. There's actually people who are going to get saved because of our fellowship with one another, because of our community. Now, the third thing, this is probably the most difficult part of this message, is the reality of community. Um, in Romans chapter 12, from what I understand, it's the only time that this word is used in the way that it's used here. It, and many of us from, are familiar with it. It's, it's Romans chapter 12, and it says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. Um, and really this, this whole portion here is earlier in chapter 1 it talks about that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable to God like we always when I was growing up and we memorized that in water like what does that look like like what does it mean I present my body as a living sacrifice right well I believe verses 9 through the rest of the chapter tell you what it looks like there's a lot of things right cling to what is good abhor what is evil but in this is this portion here where it says listen I want you to be kindly affectionate to one another with Brotherly love, and it's um, kind of a compound word here. Uh, we'll do a little quiz real quick. We all know the, the, the Greek words for love. Throw me out one. What do we got? What? Phileo. Very good. Phileo was one of the Greek words, right, that we have, right? What's another one? Agape. Very good. Agape, right? These are the ones that are mostly used, right? And then we have eros, right? And then you have this one here that's used, and you may not have even heard it before, but it's called Storge. Storge, that's right. So agape, right, is that sacrificial love, right? It's the, it's, the, it's the love of God, right, that we talk about all the time. The phileo love is the love between friends, right? We get Philadelphia from that, right? We have eros, which is that sensual or romantic love, right? And then you have storge, which is an affectionate love, right? But it has a familial quality to it, to this love. Okay? A brotherly love. Okay? Now, God is love, right? And that love works through man. 
especially through the whole community of Christians. Right? God is love, but he actually uses man. He lets that love work through us, right? As a community, right? As a community of Christians, God uses his love through us to reach each other, right? Now, this love here is very interesting. I said this is kind of, the reason why I said this is the reality of community is this, right? This love, right, that he's talking about is a non-discriminatory love. What I mean by that is this, is when you think of family, right? I've got my brother here, okay? I did not choose my brother. <laughs> I didn't have a choice in the matter, okay? The people that you have in your family right now, you didn't have a choice, did you? You didn't. I mean, there might be some marital you know, that got him through marriage, but I'm just saying your family, right, uh, blood family, you didn't have a choice in the matter, okay? You didn't you have to decide who your brothers and sisters were, right? They just were. Randy, you, Ron, you have Ron. You didn't have a choice in the matter, okay? All right? But, I dare say to you, the reality is this, is the brothers and sisters in this room, you didn't get to choose them either, did you? Okay. I didn't get to choose you. You didn't get to choose me. <laughs> right? But, but we are still supposed to be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Okay? Now, let me try to illustrate this way, right? If you're someone in the New Testament time, right, Paul might be writing to you and he say, hey, listen, remember that slave you had? right? The, the one who just came to know Jesus Christ, right? That brother and Lord. You need to treat him as family now. You have to treat him as family. You see, that's the reality of community is that we, right? We have a fellowship here. We have a community and whether you like it or not, okay, this is who God has given you. It's a bunch of us broken people, right? That we all love Jesus, right? And we are called to live with each other. We are called to bear one another's burdens. We are called to share in this faith journey that we're all in. And you know what? Some of us have something to learn. And some of us have something to teach. But you cannot live in isolation. You cannot think that it's okay not to come to church. That it's okay that I haven't seen my brothers and sisters in three months. It's not okay. It's not good. It's interesting that uh, in Romans one thirty one, when it describes the unrighteous, it actually describes the, the antonym of this word, storgy. It's actually, the Greek word is astorgos, astorgos, right? When it talks about the disobedient generation in 2 Timothy chapter 3, same word again, the, the, the anti-storgy, um, the antonym. We don't want to be those who are unloving, right? We want to be those who love our brothers and our sisters, okay? Not because of some strength they have in them. And that's the interesting thing about the, the loves, right? When it comes to like, you know, even phileo or eros, right? There, there's something in the other person, right? There's a strength or something in the other person that makes you love them, okay? With agape, right? Maybe not, but that but there's a strength in ourselves that's given to us by the grace of God to love someone sacrificially. When it comes to this storgy love, it's, there's no strength. There's no nothing. You're just called to do it. Okay? We as brothers and sisters here, we don't, we don't earn each other's love. Okay? It's just expected. That's part of being a community. It's part of being a fellowship. It's interesting. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said this. 
He said, cats and dogs should be brought up together. It broadens their minds. Right? Same with us, too, I think. Right? Brother, brotherly love, man. It's, <laughs> listen, it, it broadens our minds, doesn't it? Listen, there, there are people, and if you've been going to church long enough, listen, okay? You know that sometimes you leave here and you want to just throw yourself out the window. Right? Maybe you guys are more spiritual than I am. Okay? But it's true. Like, dealing with people, and to the people in the church, it's hard sometimes, right? And, and but the thing about community is that that person who you just don't quite get, you don't quite see eye to eye, right? As you continue to fellowship with the other, you see, hey, there's something in that person. You know what? There's something there. And see, that's the reality of community, right? Listen, God works on us in all sorts of ways. But above all, he works on us through each other. you got to believe that. He works on us through each other. Scripture in, in uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5 says this. It says, we are better together than we are alone. Do you believe that? I mean, I know, listen, the enemy will make you believe that, hey, you're better off by yourself. Yeah, you're better off alone. You don't have to deal with the frustrations. You don't have to deal with being offended by people. You don't have to deal with all that garbage, right? People saying things that they should have never said. Okay? But believe it or not, you're better together than you are alone. The enemy will make you think that, hey, listen, it's better to be isolated. It's not. It's not what you were created for. And listen, it can be hard for some of us to commit to community, especially if we're guarded or prefer solitude. <coughs> But when we consider this idea of, of love, right, that God is love, right, uh, what better example than the Lord Jesus, right? Um, the Lord Jesus, right? The, the, one of the, the tragedies of, of um, the fall, right, of sin is that we lost our community with God. <laughs> we lost it. Right? Adam and Eve, they communed with God in the garden. And because of sin, they lost that. Right? Jesus came as even James was sharing this morning, to seek and to save those of us who were lost, to bring us back into communion with God, bring us back into community. Right? Jesus is the example for us. Right? We can commune with each other. Right? We can have communion with each other despite our differences because Jesus did it for us. Jesus took care of that so that we could have now communion with God again. Community is God's desire for us. And it's a sign of mature faith. Right? Because at the end of the day, we actually, when we grow in our relationship with others, we are growing in our relationship with Him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You again um, for Your Son, the Lord Jesus. Um, we are grateful for uh, the, the love that He showed us. We're grateful for the community that we've been brought into. Uh, and certainly we understand that there's a large community, the body of Christ. We're grateful for that. And uh, Lord God, we just also thank you too for this local expression of that community, of that fellowship that we have with each other here at Brantford Bible Chapel. And we're grateful for each and every one of us. And we pray that you would help each and every one of us to grow in our relationship with each other. Uh, we're living in a time now where many people are afraid, they're fearful, and the enemy is using that to keep us from fellowshipping with each other. Lord God, help us to seek ways to fellowship with each other. Uh, Lord God, uh, however it may be, over a cup of coffee, over getting together and sitting in the driveway. I don't care what it is, Lord, but pray that we would, be, we would long, as Paul did, to see each other, um, to be able to uh, encourage one another in this mutual faith that we have. Uh, Lord God, we ask for your help in this. In Jesus' name, amen.